Hey now, we are getting over and I am Vintage Chris Vanini, here to lead you through these hard times, daddy, with your Royal Rumble Instant Analysis Edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, Getting Over is back. Early Sunday morning, the Royal Rumble just went off the air and we have a lot to talk about. That's right, I'm doing the hosting duties today. I've got the pencil. That's because the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, was at the Royal Rumble in St. Pete, his first main roster WWE show since we started this podcast. And to take the load off of him, I'll be directing the traffic today. But first, please allow me to remind you that the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast is all about the five. Please head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave a five-star rating, take some time, leave a five-star review. We will read it live on the show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at, at GettingOvercast for news, analysis, pre- and post-show polls, which we will get to at the end of this show. And head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash gettingover for bonus audio, exclusive news, posts, and being an official getting overhead for just $5 a month or $50 for the year. Supports the podcast, gives you more content. That's buymeacoffee.com slash gettingover. Now, we've got a lot to talk about here in this Royal Rumble event for sure and what happened afterward. But before we get into the results, Adam, the Silver King, let me bring you in here. You are here. You are on this podcast. You just I got back. Indeed. It's an hour ahead indeed. of your time because you're at Eastern time zone. How you doing? How, how was your night? Uh, I'm absolutely exhausted. Straight up. Uh, let's first kind of circle back here. Uh, extremely good job on the introduction. Thank I you. feel a little strange uh, being on the podcast for about two minutes and 30 seconds and not saying anything. I think everyone knows I tend to monopolize the conversation, especially in the early goings of the show. Uh, but very good job, Chris. Um, look, I'm, I'm exhausted. Uh, this is, as I've mentioned on the show multiple times, the first major wrestling event that I've gone to since WrestleMania 35. I did get the opportunity to go to the special NXT show with John Cena and The Undertaker and all that. That was great. But sitting in a major stadium arena, although I guess I really wouldn't call Tropicana Field the major stadium, but I digress. Uh, being around that many people, and I don't think that number they announced, 48,000, I don't think that was too much of an exaggeration. It was significantly packed, even if you may not have heard that come through uh, on television. Um, but going through that, it was a long ass show. I was there for the press conference as well. I am pooped. How was the experience? Because you mentioned it didn't sound that we'll get into the production yeah. stuff and a lot of that at the end of the show. But I will say off the top, since we often start the shows like this, talking about crowd. Crowds, yeah. Crowd was eh, not that great. At least it came through on, on TV. Was it was it better in person? Uh, no, it really wasn't. I mean, look, there were definitely moments. I don't know how some of the individual reactions played on television, but like straight up, um, Naomi, Jade, Cody, uh, CM Punk, uh, Roman Reigns, LA Knight, like the people who should get huge pops got huge pops. Carmelo Hayes got a really good pop. I was thrilled uh, with that. But outside of that, the crowd was not great. And I was kind of on the outskirts of it in my seats. That's not something I'm really going to talk about. I did not necessarily have the best seats for the show, but I was thrilled to be there and thankful for the opportunity. Um, but look, the women's division needs to build, be built stronger. 
and the WWE Universal Championship match, Undisputed, uh, was poorly booked, I think I can say off the top, and that lacked a lot of heat. That's more on creative to get the fans excited than fans getting excited for something they perhaps should not get excited for. They got up for the men's match. I can definitely say that. Um, And there was a huge reaction to the finish of Kevin Owens and Logan Paul. We'll talk about all of that. But one thing I do need to mention off the top, Chris, and I know many of you have attended Royal Rumbles in the past, but at Tropicana Field, there are limited in-stadium screens. And Hmm. most of the ones that are actually visible to people are in the outfield, which is where basically no one was sitting. And if they were, they were sitting underneath them looking towards the ring. Point being, no one was looking towards the outfield. Um, And there was a big circular screen on top of the ring. I don't know who made this decision, why they made this decision, but 90% of the time during the two Royal Rumble matches, all we saw on those screens, it did the, we saw the countdown, the C4 countdown every single time, uh, but then it would hit zero and we'd see a graphic with a name on it. We didn't get to see the superstars walk in. We didn't get to mm-hmm. see what number entrant they were. Um, a lot of times the music would play and look, it's 2024. We know how frequently WWE changes entrance themes and a lot of them just weren't recognizable. So you didn't yep. get those big pops right away. Because people couldn't see what was happening. For example, mm. uh, Ludwig Kaiser came out. It just said Imperium. Gunther came out. Yeah. It just said Imperium. I could have been Giovanni Vinci. I don't know who it was. So it was a massive annoyance for the crowd. It was immensely dumb. And it affected the reactions. Because what you want is that person to come out and the crowd to explode. The other problem, Chris, is, look, I understand why they do it. And on TV, it looks fantastic. Doing the entrances out of the dugout. And the, you know, the, just the extended ramp all the way uh, into the ring. But when you're in a stadium with 48,000 people and tons of them can't see it because it's not elevated, then you don't even get to see the person walking out in addition yeah. to not being able to see it on the screen. So, look, I can't speak for the two title matches. Actually, I can. Uh, the, the Fatal 4-Way. I think it's fair to say it underdelivered. We'll get into that momentarily. Um, that's why the crowd wasn't hot for that. But for the Royal Rumbles, I think a significant part of it was frustration over being able to view it. I can tell you at least that is how I felt from my seats. Yeah, that's interesting because I was at SummerSlam at Ford Field. You couldn't really see the wrestlers walk out even when I was in it. I wasn't even on the floor. That's not an entrance-based event, though. The Royal Rumble is about sure. sixty right. different entrances. Right. I'm just I'm yeah. I'm agreeing with the point that it is hard to For see sure. people as terrifying. they come out. And then also yeah. it had two Ford Field has two big video boards kind of over the each end zone. So you could mm-hmm. even something was you could see it better. Sounds like the baseball stadium was, was even worse. So that that is good context to know yeah. um going in. But so let me clarify. Yeah. Let me clarify. Despite any of that though, those are like excuses or reasons. They're reasons, not excuses. Those are reasons. Despite that. This was absolutely the worst premium live event pay-per-view crowd I have ever experienced. But you also have to remember, I've almost exclusively been to WrestleManias and NXT takeovers all the way dating back to WrestleMania 33 on this most recent run. And certainly many in uh, Miami, uh, Orlando, uh, you know, in in those areas, that's, that's where I've been previously. So I'm comparing it to WrestleManias. The only other event I ever went to that was a WWE pay-per-view was Armageddon, the one where Miss Kitty took off her top. 
Um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's the only other event I had gone to other than WrestleMania and now this Royal Rumble and like NXT takeovers. So I'm also comparing them to some of the greatest crowds that have ever existed, right? Um, yeah. But still, it was it was definitely the worst. There's no question. And as someone who consistently comments on crowds, it was yeah. very disappointing to be in a bad one. It really yeah. sucked. No, for, yeah. you, you give a lot of shit to a lot of crowds. Yeah. So it's, it's fair that and you I, admit that and the I credited, was not a good one. I credited Miami for SmackDown. They were incredible. Yes. And I normally would have been there. Instead, I was here. But anyway, yeah. go ahead. Well, shout out Miss Kitty. Didn't expect that reference on this podcast. <laughs> but, but here we are. Indeed. So let's get into the card. Only got sure. four matches. We're going to usually kind of start in reverse order. We go with the most important stuff first. We're going to start mm-hmm. with the Men's Royal Rumble. Uh, we know uh, the Roman Reigns had already won at this point. It ties into the Rumble. But we get to the Men's Rumble, last thing on the show. And got a lot of notes here. I'm going to go through the match breakdown. So we'll see how this goes. Best uh, of luck. We start off with Jay and Jimmy, one and two. Love that start. Uh, really hot, exciting emotional start to this match. You got a yeet versus no yeet chant as they're going back and forth with the punches. That was pretty good. Grayson Waller came out third, did a Grayson Waller effect, talking on on his way to the ring. Not much went on in this match for a while. Uh, Shinsuke Mm -hmm. comes out at number six. You didn't know this, but uh, Shinsuke comes out. Pat McAfee, who was on commentary for the show, starts doing the Nakamura dance and everything. And Corey Graves had to explain to him that like Nakamura is a bad guy right now. We don't really like him. That's kind of funny. Um, uh, Andrade um, returns uh, at number four. He was at number four. Andrade makes his big return from AW. Uh, not a huge surprise. I think a lot of assault was coming. We knew he had left AW. Uh, we got hey, him Chris, let, let me yeah. Let me interrupt real quick. Did they call him Andrade El Idolo on the broadcast or just Andrade? Um, I mean, his music said El Idolo. I guess it did. I, did. I think yeah. So I uh, I don't know if. They didn't say his whole name every time. I just kept hearing Andrade. I was just curious if they said it the first time, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no. So so we got Santos Escobar Andrade. That was a good face-to-face. You know, um, the two Mexican stars, one who didn't quite mm-hmm. left WWE, one who's the new one. Uh, Santos Escobar says they should team up. Andrade really has nothing to do with it. Pretty clear that Andrade was being a, a face uh, in this mm-hmm. match. Um, Karrion Cross came in. Uh, Dominic came in at number nine. Uh, Cole had a good line where he goes, go ahead, Graves. Uh, tell me Dominic is the greatest luchador ever when we've got Santos Escobar and Andrade in this ring. Uh, also Dominic is wearing some cowboy boots that were made out of like cow skin. That was purple. It was, it was uh, pretty interesting. Um, Bobby Lashley comes in number 11. He's got a new look. He's wearing some white pants and stuff like that. While he's out there, AOP comes down to the ring. They're not in the match. Eventually, uh, Cross eliminated Lashley uh, after he was out, pulled him out from outside the ring. Lashley starts fighting the final testament. The Street Profits come down. They get into a big six-man brawl eventually before they get uh, pushed out to the back. Over the next several minutes, we had Kaiser, Austin Theory, Finn Balor, Cody Rhodes come in. So the, the, the talent's starting to get up a level. Gunther, uh, who came in at number 18, eliminated Kofi, who did not have any special Royal Rumble spot which is kind of his thing. He hadn't mm-hmm. uh, hit one of those in a while, but uh, yeah, so n- not much to Kofi in this. Braun Breaker came in at number 20. He immediately eliminated Jimmy Uso. Finn Balor went face-to-face with Gunther, uh, hit a pretty nasty spear on him as well. Um, Pat McAfee came in at number 22 off the commentary, which is something I called for in the preview. Somebody from commentary would get into the match. 
Uh, McAfee just went in there, looked at uh, Omas and Gunther, and got out. And that was it. He eliminated himself. He was there for 38 seconds. Uh, Cole on commentary said that he lasted longer in the Rumble, over a minute. McAfee was upset that they forced him in there to go head-to-head with Omas. He did nothing, really. He was just there. Mm -hmm. Kind of a waste of space. Um, uh, R-Truth came out number 24. Pretty funny spot. He he grabs J.D. McDonough, who had been laid out by Braun Breaker, throws him into the ring. He immediately gets eliminated. R-Truth gets up on the side of the ring and sticks his hand out like he wants Dominic to tag him in. Crowd's going nuts for this. Eventually, Dominic does tag him. We got a hot tag in the Royal Rumble, which is pretty funny. Uh, so R-Truth was, was killing it once again. Eventually gets eliminated by Damian Priest, who had come in at number 26. No hesitation there. Damian Priest was just... Uh, doing business and so we'll see what happens next with judgment day cm punk came in at number 27 uh, number 29 was drew mcintyre uh, jay Uso was eliminated by gunther around this point uh, jay was in there for 50 minutes 50 seconds the longest time for the men in this rumble and number 30 was sammy Zayn. we eventually get down to a final four of cody gunther mcintyre and punk those four went at it for a while. You had the two faces, the two heels. Eventually, Punk lifted Drew McIntyre out of the ring after he had taken a Claymore. Cody flipped Gunther out, and we got down to Cody, CM Punk for the final two. Pretty electric finish. Crowd is really into it. They go back and forth for a while. Both these guys look dead at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. And interestingly, the crowd was behind Cody uh, for most of this, at least it came through on TV. Uh, Cody eventually uh, flipped... Uh, Threw Punk out and won the Royal Rumble for the second year in a row. And he gets up on the turnbuckle, points to the WrestleMania logo, gets the fireworks and everything, then points up to the other skybox where Roman Reigns is, having won his match earlier, and made it very clear, we are doing Cody versus Roman part two. I believe I had that. I picked Cody to win this, you picked CM Punk, and ultimately we went with CM Punk, uh, so we went with Cody Rhodes, so... That's my long-winded recap of the Royal Rumble. Adam, your thoughts. This day's all coming up vintage, isn't it? First of all, let's make clear that the Silver King <laughs> predicted Pat McAfee would be in the match. You then had, yes, some, someone coming from the announce table and our combined prediction. Uh, Kane did come true with Pat McAfee, though. I have some criticisms of that. So look, this is very unique. And I said this to you moments before we taped the show, Chris. Um, I have no idea how you do this. You've gone to multiple premium live events and pay-per-views. And you come in and you have a fantastic set of comments. You're able to respond directly to what I say. I, I, I'm disheveled coming back from this show. I'm just telling you the truth. Like I, I'm very comfortable in like the hosting role with all my notes. It's, this is weird for me, straight up. But let me go ahead and kind of break down the match based on my memory and like some of the opinions I held and, and give you some insight into the fan responses as they were live at Tropicana Field. That's probably the best thing I can do. Look, starting off, Jay is even more older than you think. And as soon as he came out, you knew one and two was going to be him and Jimmy, but it still hit. People absolutely loved it. There's a decent reaction for Andrade. It's always tough when a return uses new music. I loved his look at the Golden Crown. That probably means something in Mexican culture that I don't understand. Also great that he kept El Idolo, just much better than Cien Almas or nothing, right? I... Hope Andrade doesn't join LWO. That's another conversation for another day. Carmelo Hayes, he like legitimately may have gotten a bigger pop than Andrade. I wish he had soaked it in a bit. He ran right into the ring. Some of yeah. these guys need to learn like 
and I'm sure they were told to do that. It seemed like the men's match, I should note, was rushed. It seemed like a lot of stuff went wrong early in the show, maybe the women's match in particular. So they were really trying to get everyone into the ring, which hurt my, I guess, enjoyment of it. Even the timing of some of the entrants was a little strange. Um, but Carmelo got a great reaction. I loved Finn Balor sliding in and immediately eliminating him. It was just like a smarmy thing to do, really fit his character. It was great to see Braun Breaker. You, they had him eliminate Jimmy and Balor. That's huge consecutively. Plus him being able to work again with Gunther. They did the spear calling back to NXT. That was a great debut. Omos. Wait, wait re- real quick. Real quick on sure. Braun Breaker. Want to jump sure, in sure. here? Because this is my theory. My theory is that Braun Breaker had the Brock Lesnar spot. You come in, you get a several eliminations of some notable people, and then mm-hmm. face-to-face with Gunther. Like, that's exactly what you would have expected so, Brock Lesnar to do. Not not to say Braun wasn't going to be in the match. I think it's possible right. Pat McAfee. I think it's possible Pat McAfee filled the spot that was opened. But in terms of what was booked for Brock Lesnar, what we think, considering he was named by the Wall Street Journal, though not in the lawsuit mm-hmm. of possibly being involved with the Vince McMahon stuff, Brock Lesnar, not in this show. But what right. Braun Breaker did felt like what they would have had uh, Brock Lesnar do, especially kind of going one-on-one face-to-face with Gunther for a minute there. Did you think that at all? My guess is that Braun got more than he would have, but I still think the idea was for him to get a couple big eliminations to establish him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think he got more than he otherwise would have, and I do agree with McAfee. In fact, I'll get to that kind of right now. Um, you know, we just discussed how we both kind of called parts of him and the commentator spot I thought the spot was really stupid and just Mm -hmm. a total waste of an entrant. Like, okay, sure. Maybe it was supposed to be the Brock Lesnar spot, right? And they had to come up with something. You have an entire roster. There are plenty of people who could have been in that match. Xavier Woods, just like picking one person, right? Um, To have McAfee do that and then back down twice from Omos and eliminate himself, it's just... Totally unnecessary. To, to and, not even take a bump, I think the was cool thing, offensive. Yeah, as, as the a cool viewer. thing. The cool thing about McAfee is that he takes bumps and he can do yeah. a moonsault and he can do all that shit. What you have him do is a moonsault. Omos catches him and dumps him out of the ring, and yeah. everyone gets to laugh at Pat. Yep. It, it was it was bad. On the back end of that, I don't know about you guys on TV. They there was a timing issue. We completely in the crowd missed Omos and Breaker getting eliminated. I still right now don't know how it happened. So that whole sequence of events was messed up for me. I, I think Braun was eliminated during an entrance, I believe. Yeah, I, I think they both were. In my bed. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they both was, were back to back. It, yeah. it was the JD, I think it was at the JD McDonough entrance, I believe, is when it happened. And um, I would assume also, Chris, that yeah, they yeah, were Braun, both... Yeah, yep, I wrote it down. Braun, elim, Braun Breaker eliminated Omas during the JD entrance. Braun got eliminated for that, and then he spears JD McDonough when he gets to the ring, yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would have made the assumption that Lesnar probably would have eliminated both of them. Mm-hmm. And that's how it would have been different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But anyway, let's let's just kind of get back to it. I, I was glad we finally got the full heel turn for Damian Priest. I did not think he should have been in the match, but him immediately eliminating our truth establishing, like we said, hopefully the end, fingers crossed of this, uh, coming out of the Royal Rumble, that was important. I, I somehow completely forgot about Sami Zayn as like a person. I named all these people who could return, Rey Mysterio, Sheamus. I was very surprised not to see either of them. Um, but for Sami Zayn to return and come in at 30 was obviously huge, and people did pop, not as much as I expected. 
Very strange that there were no legends, literally zero in either match. I know mm-hmm. the rosters are loaded, but to not have any <clears throat> legends at all was just really odd. And I think fans want that from a Royal Rumble. Uh, Drew McIntyre being a bastard, eliminating the faces at the beginning was so great. I find it very difficult to believe. I keep saying this on the podcast. Look, maybe Drew leaves. and <laughs> Maybe he goes to <laughs> AEW or maybe he takes six months off. But the way they are freaking booking this guy it does not seem like he's going anywhere, or at least he shouldn't be the way he's getting booked. Uh, the Gunther back and forth, uh, the Claymore run where he hit three in a row, that was great. I thought both of them getting eliminated was really cool. Uh, I loved how they showed Reigns and Rollins uh, from the suites. We did get to see that in the arena. You had mm-hmm. Gunther go to the final three for the second straight year. Last year, he was in the final two. And you know, don't forget, the final two at the Royal Rumble this year were two former AEW guys. Now, I know what you said about Cody getting the strong reactions on TV, and I have heard many people say that. I think that's probably accurate. What I can tell you is in the three sections near me, everyone was chanting for CM Punk. Mm. Um, It was crazy. Now, that was at the beginning when they were the final two. The boos started coming later. Apparently, he said something through the screen about, like, I'm not about to lose to Dusty's kid. Or something yeah, like he, that. Yeah, he he said I didn't. He said I didn't come back after ten years to lose to Dusty's kid. So I think no one heard that obviously in the arena. But once he mouthed that, I think people knew he was being a heel. They started booing him. But the fans were kind of confused when you have two baby faces at the end. They mm-hmm. don't know who to cheer. They don't know how to react when the one they uh, the one they like gets eliminated and the other one doesn't get eliminated. They wanted a clear face and a clear heel. You at home got that, but we in the stadium did not. It also did not help that Punk was absolutely gassed towards the yeah. end of this match. And it is very possible he hurt himself, his elbow or his tricep oh, or something. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm telling you what I saw. Um, the other thing I'll say is they needed to space out some of these stars. Like, okay, you want Punk towards the end. You want Sami Zayn coming back towards the end. Fine. Drew should have been like 12. Like, you need that star so, power earlier in the match. There was way so too many people is, at the end. So this is... I think we've got a trend now with Triple H Royal Rumbles, of which he's done four, I believe, the Mm -hmm. last two years. And that is, it's a slow build and just generally progressively gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger by the end. You you, you had Rhea Ripley start it last year, but you'll get a couple, one or two here, but like you don't have... The space out is not a lot. All your right. big stars, almost all of your big stars are in the second half that happened in this women's and this men's. And it felt like it happened last year as well. It seems pretty clear that um, they Triple H, is, they pace it well in the sense that it doesn't feel long. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. draggy. So that does feel like it's working. But you're not getting as many moments in these Royal Rumbles. You're not getting a lot of face-to-faces between guys we haven't seen before or like really selling that moment, um, which is surprising. And you're not getting a ton of surprises or legends returns. Again, two years in a row, we really haven't had that. So they've got a good base, I think, of what they do at the Rumble, but you're right. It does feel like like the first half of it doesn't matter. You know, it just kind of slowly builds and builds and builds. Especially when, like, I'm not hating on these people. And Dominic, obviously, should be in the match. I'm just using him as an example. But you have Dominic, J.D. McDonough, R-Truth. Like, why? Pat McAfee, why? You have so many other talented people back there who could be in this match and entertaining and getting pops. Like, again, 
you lose Brock Lesnar from the middle of the match, so you should have moved Drew McIntyre up. All those things bothered me. Um, just to wrap this up, I had two more notes, and then I know we have a lot more mm-hmm. to talk about. I never really took into account the fact of like the Tampa St. Pete area and Dusty Rhodes and running his wrestling school and all of his you know spending so much time in his life in the area. Mm-hmm. They should have played that up more on television. Maybe they didn't because they didn't want to make it completely obvious that Cody Rhodes was going to win and go back to back. But I think it would have made it a lot more special. Um, it just wasn't something that ever connected to me. I didn't think about it. I don't know if you did when you made that prediction, but like that probably would have maybe led to me picking Cody. In terms of Cody winning, and we should really talk, Chris, about like whether we agree, right? I think that's important. Yeah. Um, look, we'll talk about rare, it at the end, yeah. Yeah, it, it puts him in rarefied air, right? Like Hulk Hogan, he is now Shawn Michaels. Fourth. Yep. Yeah, Hulk Hogan, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's the list. Now it's Cody Rhodes. <laughs> Dude, he's finishing the story. I mean, <laughs> like, look, anything's yes. possible. We, we said it last year that it was for sure, and it didn't happen. Like, you yes. know, we can keep so, saying that here. Go ahead. So the opening vignette of the show with Hulk Hogan, did you guys see that? Yes, and I saw it beforehand also, yeah. Okay, yeah, because Hulk Hogan talked about, for in there, he talks about Tampa and the famous wrestlers who have come through there, and there was some Dusty Road stuff in there as well. And there was one other place. I It might have been Paul Heyman's promo on the pre-show, but there, there, I forgot who said it. There was one other mention of it as well, but not not so obvious. You're right that that, that could have been talked up. Before I get to Cody... Um, real quick talked about the I talked about the breakdown the booking of the rumble and how they do it Damian Priest they tried to get him kind of in with every major star in this match mm-hmm. and it did not feel like the crowd cared like much at all he really feels like he has cooled down over the last couple of months and I, I, I think the the briefcase and the lack of anything happening is kind of weighing it down a little bit um, the fact that our truth is now kind of funny in the Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. Now this is like the third time he's beaten up our truth, but it, none of them felt like the big turn on our truth. This one like did. The, the, let me tell you straight up: one of the biggest okay. reactions of the entire night for a heel was that people okay. were crazy booing him. No question about okay. it. Okay, it, it, it didn't yeah. come across as much on TV, but fair enough. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah, just um, straight up. Uh, I'll give you. I'll just give you a straight up prediction. By the way, I mean because why not? Because you're talking about Damian Priest. It feels to me right now the way like it transpired, the way some people were talking about him this past weekend. And I don't know anything. I'm not giving you like a spoiler. Mm-hmm. I'm just giving you like the way I felt. Uh, Seth Rollins retains against CM Punk at WrestleMania. Damian Priest cashes in and becomes champion. That's what I feel. At, like. at WrestleMania, you think? At WrestleMania, coming out of the show. I I wouldn't do that myself. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. Okay. Um, yeah. but, uh, to, to, to the point of the draw of CM Punk, uh, my wife watched the men's rumble with me specifically because of CM Punk. Hmm. She rooted for him to win it. She didn't want Cody to win. She wanted him to get it. So just an example of someone bringing a, a lapsed fan back in. I, it happened in, in this household. Um, I was surprised we got no Chad Gable. I think I said yes. it last yeah. week's pod. I said it really feels like he's not going to be the guy to take down Guther and that He's really fallen behind. I think him not being in this rumble and Pat McAfee doing what he did. Another mm-hmm. one of those. Like, it, it feels like Chad Gable's just not kind of getting the push right now. And that's unfortunate. He was a guy I thought of. He was a guy I thought of when I saw Pat McAfee do nothing. I was like, yeah, we didn't get Chad Gable. So, but so we're here at Cody. Let's talk about Cody. I mean, I mean we talked yeah. about it. We both think he's going to finish the story. Yeah. Um, 
two years in a row, like you said. I picked Cody because I thought the uncertainty with Seth's injury would have been safe to just do Cody. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that was or wasn't changed plans or, or whatnot, what have you. Um, there was talk that The Rock might come in. Maybe he's number 30. Obviously did not happen. Don't think it's happening. We're doing Cody Roman. That's pretty clear. And it's it's going to be great. But no, as we circle back now to this point, and I'm probably going to say this a couple times leading into WrestleMania, but mm-hmm. I, it, to get back to this point, nothing that they have done in the last year to me has validated their decision to have Cody lose last year because Roman's getting kind of stale. Mm-hmm. hasn't done much for the last eight months and Cody never really faced any adversity to get back to this point. He lost to Roman, but then he won the Brock Lesnar feud. He won the Shinsuke Nakamura feud. He beat Dominic. Well, he, he won the Brock Lesnar feud, but he got his ass kicked. Yeah, uh, and I think that was the adversity they wanted him to. He won, but he won two out of three matches with Brock Lesnar coming right out of that. Beat Shinsuke, did all those other things, and now he's back here and he wins the Rumble. You compare that to a year ago when you have the story of Cody Rhodes coming back to WWE and the story of coming back from the torn pectoral muscle. Mm-hmm. That That's a better story than we've gotten over the last year. And, I, I, and it furthers my belief that Cody was going to win last year, and at some point it changed. Because so, the way everything is, because the way everything played out since did, Triple H said at the end of last year's mania that I I wouldn't basically said like I wouldn't feel as comfortable about it if I didn't know something great was coming around the quarter, and right. we didn't get we didn't get that we did not get something great over the last year with Cody, but to Cody's credit, for him to stay incredibly hot as he has he has just has further proven to WWE that he is. The guy, he is your face of the company because he was able to uh, withstand a year of that and get back to this point and still be incredibly over. It's a credit to him because he's extremely good at what he does. And I think now we're finally going to eventually get that. But I don't it'll get hot the next two months, three months. It's going to be really good. The Cody Roma stuff, it's going to be great. They're going to turn this up. It's going to get hot. But man, I don't know if they're going to be able to match the feeling we had going into last year. Two things can be true simultaneously. They made the right business decision in terms of ticket sales, in terms of creating hype for WrestleMania 40, the rematch, everything that they can do. I'm going to save some of my comments about Roman Reigns until after we talk about the undisputed WWE Universal Championship mm-hmm. match. Um, they made the right business decision. They did not make the best creative decision and entertainment decision for us as viewers Mm. Um, to what you said. Triple H said, if I wasn't confident uh, in what we have planned over the next year or however long, then we wouldn't have done this. Um, What was planned? I mean, they, they wrapped up the bloodline story, not, not wrapped up. I'm sorry. They went to another chapter of the bloodline story. And for a period of time, we said, okay, this makes sense. And then it completely fell off a cliff. I think Something happened. I don't. Th- I, I do believe. I trust them in that reigns over roads was always the plan. I still am of the belief that something happened this year that caused reigns to be around less than he perhaps was going to be because it just doesn't make any sense that you would let's say have his schedule in front of you and say, oh yeah, yeah, it's cool. Our champion can be gone for pretty much six months, you know, without and only defend the title twice. 
um, you know, in a 10-month period of mm-hmm. time and then go into WrestleMania, he's going to be as hot as he was. Again, I'll talk about Roman Reigns a little bit later. To your point about Cody Rhodes and adversity. I do think he's faced portions of adversity um, within the feuds that he had. Brock Lesnar being the most notable. But you are correct where he never got fully knocked down like John Cena kind of did previously. Like we have seen um, Shawn Michaels get knocked down or others um, and then have to fight their way back up. That would have been a more compelling story if Cody lost at WrestleMania 39, struggled to win his next feud, maybe lost the Brock feud or or lost the first two matches. Brock went away, came back three months later. Cody finally got over him and then continued on this path, won the Royal Rumble and went back into it. I thought that the best booking move they could have made, and this is why I predicted CM Punk was going to win the Royal Rumble, is to have Cody lose this, to be in the final two and have CM mm-hmm. Punk beat him, throw him yeah. out, or have him come out third or fourth or whatever the case might be. And then he has to go through the adversity of losing the Rumble in Tampa and go into Elimination Chamber in a foreign country and eliminate five or six, I forget how many people are in that match these days, and go through that gauntlet to earn his next opportunity at Roman Reigns. And you could even, in a kayfabe you know, storyline standpoint, say Reigns wants his next challenger to be someone who completely deserves it. And the best way to do that is to have them fight it out inside Elimination Chamber. For me, that would have been a much better and more compelling storyline Cody finally facing that adversity, thinking he was going to finish his story. Now he has one last chance. Instead, he wins the Royal Rumble, goes back to back. I get why they did it. And look, again, you want to talk about history, and Triple H does seem to have a slight obsession with records and history and all that. You now can speak his name alongside, again, Hulk Hogan, Shawn Michaels, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. If you're putting someone over at WrestleMania 40, they're going to finish their story. Now you can put them along the lines of those people, by the way. I don't know what the... List would be here either, but someone main eventing WrestleMania in back-to-back years, that's very rare as well. Obviously, Reigns has done it uh, and others, Stone Cold Steve Austin, et cetera, but it's not a ton of people, so he's Mm going to be on that list as well. I just think there are a lot of criticisms to Levy, but I saw the reaction of the fans, and man, did they love that Cody Rhodes won that match. They love Cody, man. They love Cody. The entire point of Roman's long reign was for him to drop it to somebody who would be completely elevated and established. And that yeah. is the only thing missing for Cody. Remember, yeah. as much as Cody has won in WWE and in AEW, and as much as some people might be sick of him, he's never won a world championship. Correct. <laughs> that well, is, he made the- well, well, he hasn't won one in WWE or AEW. He did win the yeah. NWA World's Championship. Yes, in, yes, yeah. in WWE or AW, the right. two major promotions, he hasn't won any of those world champions. He made the point in the press conference afterward. He's like, Randy's going on being like a 20-time champion. I'm mm-hmm. not even a one-time champion yet. So like, right. he, as much as he has established himself as the face of the company, he has not gotten that final mark yet. And that's what will come at WrestleMania. So I think that'll be good. Anything else on the men's rumble? No, I mean, look, uh, you did fail to mention it. Not your fault. Uh, but we will have on Tuesday our next WWE episode a second look at the Royal Rumble. Obviously, 
Silver King needs to watch all these matches like on my television. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to give you any match grades tonight. I don't know how people can go to a show and give match grades. I have to see the presentation on television in order to give that to you. Uh, so those will all come Tuesday. I think we're going to have a more extensive second look than we normally do. There's going to be a lot of things I probably catch that I'm going to want to discuss with you. Uh, so no, I think we should definitely move on. I'll also note, just want to be complete because heaven forbid I leave something out. We get a million uh, DMs and tweets, which by the way, means you guys are listening and care. And I'm just being a little bit sarcastic on that. Cody also won the Ring of Honor World Championship. If you want to count that, I kind of don't, but you could. Uh, so he does have two similar titles, but he does not have like a big world championship in the 2020s or I guess this century, you could really say. And that would be WWE, certainly AEW or NJPW, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. He doesn't have any of those. And it does seem, you know, fingers crossed, I think for everybody at this point, uh, that come April, he will uh, change that narrative. Good to know. All right, let's move on to the Women's Royal Rumble, which opened up the show. Number one entrance was Natalia, and number two was a returning Naomi, who everybody kind of at this point expected to come back. Um, Cole mentioned that she had been the TNA Knockouts champion while she was gone, which was interesting to me at the time. Got a huge pop. Welcome back from the crowd. She looked fantastic i love her intro music it was great to hear that again so that was really cool naomi is back bailey would come in at number three and in a pretty funny moment so at this point mac pat mcafee had just gotten a commentary because he Mm -hmm. comes in very beginning they introduce me sits down a commentary women's rumble starts so at number three bailey comes in and naomi gets bailey in that corner turnbuckle move where she like shoves your face into her butt and like shakes it Mm -hmm. And McAfee, go, McAfee goes, Cole, what's that called? <laughs> and everybody just started kind of laughing at commentary and mm-hmm. trying to figure it out. Number five entrance, Jordan Grace, the mm-hmm. actual TNA knockouts champion, comes out with the belt and all, gets a huge reaction on television. We get a TNA chant going on. We've had Mickey James with the TNA belt on here before, but... That, that was Mickey James. Like, she was a WWE legend still at this point. This is a whole nother thing we'll get to at the end of that. I'm sure you want to bring that up. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another an, another rumble that kind of started slow. Not a ton was happening for a while. Ivy Nile comes in at number eight. And then we get Jordan Grace and Ivy Nile doing dual delayed vertical suplexes. And I got to say, Jordan Grace's was much better. She held that thing for, well, uh, with, with much <laughs> better. Yeah, yeah I, I, Ivy Nile... Uh, kind of Ivy Nile's strength being her thing, it kind of actually made Ivy Nile like look not that great. It just it's just who Jordan Grace is. I mean, she's a freaking weightlifter, bodybuilder at this point. Yeah, uh, Bianca Belair, um, the first kind of major major name to come in at ten. I guess Oscar came in at seven, but Bianca comes in at ten, um, and she almost eliminated Bailey and Oscar right away. But they both held on. Kyrie Sane came in at number eleven, so then we had three members of Damage Control. And at that point, and at this point in the match, um, my brother texted me and I noticed that there's a lot of hair extensions that were laying around the ring. So they kind of started, <laughs> to get, starting to get pulled out and fall on. Just um, their damage control teamed up to eliminate uh, Candice LeRae. Uh, Tegan Knox came in at number 12 and she eliminated Natalia, her tag team partner, and Bailey quickly eliminated her. Um Caden Carter comes in at number 13 and she flips Kyrie Sane over and Kyrie Sane holds on to the side of the ring 
like on the LED board. Like I've never seen this before. This was crazy. She's like got her hands up on the apron and her feet pushed against the video board. Could not believe she was doing this. Uh, Damage control tries to save her, but she eventually falls. And then Oscar was eliminated right away by the KCs. Bailey's upset at them. So now she's the only one left in this match. Uh, Chelsea Green comes in at number 14 and kind of became one of the stars of this rumble. Mm-hmm. She all, she was almost eliminated immediately, like she was a year ago, which was the record for a five-second uh, appearance, the shortest ever. She almost immediately gets eliminated again. But then she starts um, hanging around for a while. And at this point, Bianca and Jordan Grace started going at it a little bit. We got a bit of a face-off. Uh, I wrote down big, meaty women slapping beat here. That's what it was. <laughs> uh, we got a Bianca KOD on the apron, uh, which eliminated uh, Jordan Grace at that point. Really solid effort from her. Piper Niven came in at number 15, saved Chelsea Green, who had been knocked off, pretended like she was going to drop her, <laughs> then doesn't, puts her on the stairs. Um, they, they go through the match. Piper Niven keeps accidentally hitting Chelsea Green, who's taking like everybody's offense at this point. It was pretty funny. Zia Lee comes in at number 16, does her sword thing, and Mac- and McAfee goes, wow, look at those swords. And then Zia Lee drops them and goes. And Pat McAfee goes, oh, I guess she's not bringing them, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, Maxine Dupree comes in at number 18. Uh, Cole calls her the heavily improved Maxine Dupree, and she immediately struggles to do a satellite yeah. scissors attempt on Bailey. Yeah, I saw that. They go back to it, and they did get to it eventually. Uh, Nia Jax comes in at number 19. Piper Niven tried to suplex Nia Jax again. Big meaty women slapping meat here. Uh, Chelsea Green ends up taking the brunt of both of them. Uh, uh, Nia tosses Piper Niven onto Chelsea at this point. Um, Nia then eliminates Piper Niven and several others at this point. Becky Lynch comes in at number 21. She eliminates Chelsea Green with a nice little tap on the head, which was funny. Um, Number 24, Valhalla comes in. Now, Cole, you didn't know this. Cole on commentary starts flipping out and being like, she has to wear the antlers. She's got to be wearing the antlers. She's been antlerless for weeks now. He's like, yeah. And then the camera zooms out and we see the antlers and he goes, yeah, yeah. And I was like, what is going on here? This is so bizarre and out of nowhere. And uh, at this point, our truth runs out. His first appearance of the day. Very funny stuff. Uh, he comes in. I don't want to say he gets eliminated by Nia Jax because he wasn't in the he wasn't in the Women's Royal Rumble, but Nia Jax throws him out. Uh, Adam Pierce was out there to be like, "Truth, you're not allowed to be in here." Valhalla, you are in here. Valhalla immediately gets eliminated. Uh, they said that was five seconds, which would also tie for the shortest ever appearance in a Royal Rumble. Number twenty-seven was Roxanne Perez from NXT. This actually got spoiled because at the very beginning of the show. They show Randy Orton walking into the stage early. It's like daylight out. And behind him on the LED board is the Roxanne Perez uh, graphic. So we knew she was coming. Um, Number Okay, here we go. Number 28, Jade Cargill makes her much-awaited appearance. Cole calls her one of the biggest free agent signings in sports entertainment history. We get a holy shit chant. Her and Nia Jax face-to-face. They go at it a bit. She eliminates Nia, lifts her up, suplexes her out. Looks like a freaking star. Becky Lynch stands there with her mouth agape. 
and Graves drops uh, the Jade Carville catchphrase, but the clean version and says, Jade just said, I am that chick. So I don't know if that's going to be your uh, phrase going forward instead of I am that bitch, like she used to say. Keep oh, she said, I am that chick. That's what Graves said. Graves, oh, like, that's Graves Jade said. just okay. said. Yeah, Graves was like implying that she was saying that through her actions. But he said gotcha. chick instead okay. of bitch. Good to know. Number 29. Was I, let me Tiffany just let me just quickly yeah, say. Yeah. yeah. I, I want that catchphrase to die, whether it's <laughs> chick or bitch. Just do something else. I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. Yeah. Number 29, Tiffany Stratton from NXT uh, came in, looked pretty good, made some made some um, impressive appearances. Number 30 was Liv Morgan returning from injury. She came out in a skin-colored outfit that made me do a double take real quick. Um, Becky then eliminates Naomi on accident um, because she was getting swung around dealing with Jade. Jade then eliminated Naomi. And at this point, Naomi gets eliminated. She had been in there for an hour and two minutes, which they said was a new Rumble record. Mm. Uh, after this, uh, Tiffany is almost gets eliminated, but she grabs onto Bianca Belair's braid and is like falling out in a really cool spot there. Um, but then Bailey ends up eliminating both of them to give us a final three of Becky. I'm sorry, Bailey, Liv, and Jade. Crowd is really cheering for Bailey at this point. A lot of Bailey chants going on. Then they get on the apron. Liv eventually eliminates Jade. Then Bailey eliminates Liv right away to win her first Royal Rumble. So it's two years in a row, I think, that the Liv Morgan is in the final three or the final two. That is correct. But yeah. But Bailey comes away to win. Uh, Graves had a good call. He said, Bailey called her shot. It's high. It's deep. It's gone. Mm -hmm. Great call in a baseball stadium. And Bailey was in the Rumble for over one hour and three minutes, setting another women's Royal Rumble. So she now has the record, you're saying? Okay. She now has the record. And according to what they said in the broadcast, Rhea's record from last year was now broken twice in this match. That's cool. Okay. Uh, a lot happened here. Uh, Bailey yeah. wins. Uh, I'll leave it to you. What did you think? Yeah. Wow. Okay. There's a lot here. Um, so I'm going to repeat some of what you said just to kind of reiterate. The mm-hmm. pop for Naomi was freaking incredible. Like strap a rocket to her. That is Good. how over she is. Okay. She deserves um, And I couldn't help but think I was watching this entrance. I, by the way, I think it was the best entrance. On the entire show. I, I taped a lot of stuff on my phone. The lasers and stuff, it looked ridiculously awesome. I couldn't help but think she should have a pitch black match. Like she's the perfect yeah. person to do it. Like yeah. that's that's yeah. It, that's who you need. Um, but no, Naomi was awesome. Seeing her get back and seeing the reaction and, and the little girls, the way they were popping for her, that was so cool. Jordan mm-hmm. Grace, she got a mild reaction at first from the crowd, but fans started understanding who she was. Like you could hear people murmuring and like explaining to people who didn't know. Yeah. And then it became a thing. I just thought that was really cool. And she was fantastic in the match. I love the moment awesome. with I love the moment with Naomi. For those who don't know, they feuded as Naomi was exiting and Naomi dropped the title to Jordan. So mm-hmm. for them to hug and then fight each other, it kind of played off of what was happening in TNA. I thought that was really cool. Um, TNA is TNA is now WWE canon. Like, yes, it is, it is. now. Like, Officially, they talked about Naomi losing the belt to Jordan Grace, and, the, and now they're in the Rumble. Like, yeah, that counts now. That stuff counts. Uh, so I thought it was really cool the way Bailey was acting with damage control. She was surprised when Oscar came out, but cautious because you have to remember yep. the story. The storyline was that she was the one from damage control in the match. No one else would be. 
So yes. she didn't expect that. But she was surprised and cautious and happy when Kyrie Sane came in thinking they were there to help her. The double elimination that early was a surprise. But as you mentioned, Kyrie hanging on to the apron was awesome. Uh, then Talia and Tegan spot. Got a surprisingly strong pop. I was a little confused oh, almost. Like people were so over with that. Uh, the Bianca KOD on Jordan. I thought it was the perfect elimination to keep Jordan strong, respect her as a TNA yeah. champion, the perfect person to eliminate her, a great way to do it, all that. Uh, Piper catching Chelsea and faking her out like she was going to drop her. <laughs> that was really fun. I, I love something with them. The two I, of them I, are so fun. I've loved them the whole time they've been a tag team. I was disappointed when they dropped the belts. They just, they're so fun together. It's working well, and what's again, you have to remember, she's the third teammate option of Chelsea, yet it's working so well. That's how good Chelsea yeah. is, and Piper's really good too. Um, everything I said about Naomi, I'm not going to say it 100% applies to Zelina Vega, but the reaction that Zelina got just tells me they need to use her so much more. She's talented. Oh, good. She, she's good on the mic. She gets a great reaction. She's in the old Naomi spot where Naomi wasn't getting the respect and wasn't getting the opportunities, wasn't getting used, that is now Zelina. That's the best way I can explain that. Mm -hmm. uh, the visceral hatred that this crowd, every probably WWE crowd has for Nia Jax, it's incredible. Okay, she got great heel heat, some of the most heat on the entire show. And I got to tell you, I thought she looked pretty good in the match as well. I, I, her, the way she has improved her game, I mean, I, 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 she was at this media scrum that I did. We're going to have a bunch of interviews coming up next week on the podcast. I did not get a chance to talk to her. I have to believe she really put in the work. I think she did a great job in this match. Tri Triple H shouted her out in the press conference. By the way, she had eight eliminations, Nia Jackson ties the record of Bianca Belair and Shayna Baszler. So another record uh, in this one. Uh, the Nia Piper Chelsea spot in the corner, very funny. I know I'm a broken record, okay? Becky Lynch is one of one. The entrance, the I hate to use the word, and Triple H made fun of it. The aura of her um, mm -hmm. is legit. I mean, she is the star of this division. I know Rhea Ripley's immensely over. People love Bianca Belair. We can go on and on. Becky Lynch is Becky Lynch. It is wild seeing the way people react to her in person. Just the start of the music, the whole thing. Uh, the R-Truth reaction that he got was wild it's 2024 and he's getting reactions like that i loved roxanne perez and tiffany stratton being this match you guys know i'm a huge uh nxt fan but they are both huge upside players and them being there was great the jade another question did they call her jade cargill yes okay the jade cargill reaction was insanity it was yeah. easily the biggest of the match bigger than becky lynch and bianca Belair, and that's because it was a surprise and a debut and it makes sense Having her just dominate Nia instead of going on a long run and making the division look weak was super smart. It allowed her mm -hmm. to show her strength off the bat. She probably spent a lot of time working with Nia directly on this. So there wasn't a lot of people that she needed to, to do stuff with. Um, I thought her presentation was as good as it possibly can be. And now you have Cody Rhodes and Jade Cargill where you're looking at free agents and look, Kazuchika Okada, probably not coming to WWE. Okay, Will Ospreay already decided not to come to WWE. I, I just got to say, if I'm a free agent and I see the way that WWE presents huge stars like this that are coming into the company, I, I don't know how I don't go there <laughs> and think that that's what's best mm -hmm. for my career. Um, as long as you consider yourself at the level of Cody Rhodes or Jade Cargill, uh, I, I was blown away by the way this looked in person. I, I really was, and I can't wait to see it on television. It's great to have Liv Morgan back. 
Uh, great pop, certainly for her as well. This match, unlike the men's match, there were so many different returns and debuts and surprises that even though the first two thirds of the match were kind of sloppy and a little yeah. bit slow, it almost didn't matter because you had those individual moments that the men's match did not have. I'll wrap it up with this. The Becky-Naomi double elimination was wild. Everyone was surprised that Becky got out that quickly. Yeah. Uh, that great spot. I, I, didn't was, even, I forgot I didn't even mention that, but yeah, Becky got yeah. eliminated pretty pretty um, unceremoniously. That great spot was followed immediately by the Bianca and Tiffany double elimination. And once that happened, it told you as someone watching, now anything can happen in this match. I, Chris, loved this finish, okay? They gave Liv a huge elimination despite her short time in the match. They kept Jade strong, taking on both of them, Bailey and Liv. And it was a very Bailey way of winning by like taking advantage of a situation rather than just being necessarily better. She was smarter, mm-hmm. not necessarily better than the other two. And I got to talk about Bailey. Fans were totally behind her from the jump. She was yeah. definitely the right winner, not even a question. I wish the end got a little bit more time so it could have built with her, but her slow burn face turn on this road to WrestleMania is going to be amazing. And the pop that she's going to get if she wins the title on that stage is going to be enormous just based on you know what I saw here. And the other thing about Liv, because you mentioned her being in the final grouping, she, it was almost a very similar elimination to last year. Yep. She was on yep. the apron. She needed to get back into the ring, wasn't able to, got knocked off the apron. It would be immensely cool. You want to talk about long-term booking? If they paid it forward and like next year, it's another similar spot, but she knows to get back into the ring and then she wins the Women's Royal Rumble. So Bailey was a great winner. The crowd reacted immensely well to all of this. Yes, like I said, sloppy, a little bit slow in the early portion, but this was immensely entertaining for me. And all of those individual moments, you know, were great. The only problem with the Women's Royal Rumble is that WWE, and it's every company, you know, has this problem. Um, but for WWE, there's so many more women on the roster. They really need to establish the mid card because there are so many women that come out and just don't mm. get reactions, but should get reactions. And, yeah. you know, that's how they can improve this going forward. Yeah. Look, the star of the first half of the first half, first third of this was Jordan Grace and she's not in WWE <laughs> like mm. like she she's the one who stood out for a couple of things that she did um she uh so so you know the, the vertical suplex and stuff like that because she was new she was fresh she felt different um she really stuck out there Chelsea really shined here she was great and and, and like some people like she's just really good at looking dumb and kind of losing and stuff like that but she stands out with the way she does this stuff. And that is the business of professional wrestling is getting noticed. And it's not just that she gets beat up. It's the way she gets beat up. It's the way she sells it. She shined here, even though all she did was take a beating the entire time. So shout out to Chelsea Green for that. Uh, The Jade Cargill stuff, that was getting play on Twitter from people I know who don't watch wrestling. Or are very, very lapsed fans uh, and are just like, whoa, who is this? Or like Jade Cargill's going to Jade Cargill's a star. Like You can just see it like mm-hmm. she she has a big fan base and she gained a whole lot more fans tonight by what she did. I think we were curious how this debut was going to go because we thought, hey, 
Is she going to do a Charlotte thing? Can you debut her and have her lose the Rumble and all these different things? How, how do you do you, you don't want to build her up to 100 wins or something like like they had an AEW where she's impossible to beat. And like you said, I think it was the perfect amount of Jade Cargill. We got uh, her. We, we get to just she looks incredible as she comes out. She does the Nia stuff, which looks really good. I even mentioned her and Bianca Belair did the double uh dead man lift where they just each pick up somebody and they stared at each other then they dropped them then they stared at each other more camera angle got a perfect shot of the two of them with a wrestlemania sign behind them so i don't know if we're going to jade cargill bianca at wrestlemania or or elimination chamber or 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 jade cargill nia jackson at some point but they set up a few different things and jade cargill bianca belair feels like a wrestlemania main event type of thing at some point uh in the future so they really set that up perfect exact type of debut you want for Jade Cargill. You now have another star in that division. Liv Morgan, yes, uh, you're right, two years in a row, the runner-up. Definitely mm-hmm. something you can build off of that in the future. And then Bailey, you know, she was both of our pick to win. Made a lot of sense. Um, they showed during the match, toward the end, uh, both EO Sky and Rhea Ripley both watching the match um, on TV, on separate TVs in the back. Mm-hmm. So now, I mean, you're talking about when Bailey wins at WrestleMania, people are going to go crazy. We haven't gotten the face turn yet. You know, right. we just, That's the just crazy on, part. just on Friday, we mm-hmm. got another great vignette from damage control about being heels and everything. So we're going to get to that on SmackDown or eventually Bailey's going to have to break away from judgment Day or whatever and challenge EOS guy. And that's going to be a huge moment that we still have to get. So a lot to come still on the Bailey stuff. She deserves it. She's been great. She's kind of been forgotten a bit post COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was ta- she was tag team champs for uh, with, with Sasha Banks for a while. Had a really good feud there. Then she got hurt. Came back at SummerSlam a couple years ago. But Damage Controls never really clicked, and she hasn't gotten back to the top. And now she's finally getting back there. Everybody's happy for her. Um, so that face turn is happening, even though it actually hasn't happened yet. So. Uh, Bailey wins. She sets the record for uh, Rumble Iron Woman. And um, much like the men, it felt like it just kind of slowly built and built. There were a couple more moments throughout, but ev- almost everything you're going to remember from this Rumble came out of the last like five people. You know, Jade Cargill was 28. You know, so it, it, it played out a lot like the men's Rumble in terms of how it was booked and how it was paced for better or for worse. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have too much more here. I can just tell you, I was in the press conference. Bailey was beaming. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you talk about her being forgotten the last couple of years. She's been forgotten almost for her role in this company. You know, Becky Lynch is the biggest star of the women's division. Charlotte Flair is the most pushed star of the women's division. Sasha Banks is the fan favorite um, of the women's division. I don't mean that she's more Mm -hmm. favored than Becky Lynch necessarily, but she gets the most groundswell of support because she doesn't get what she deserves and all that type of stuff. But no one really talks about Bailey not getting what she deserves. And Bailey deserves a lot more. She's a stalwart of this division, you know? Um, and she's doing, she does it self selflessly. And mm-hmm. to see her finally get these moments. I mean, I do look, I'm a huge EO sky fan. We talk about all the time, how talented she is and her future opportunities and potential and all that type of stuff. Man, Bailey needs that WrestleMania moment. She deserves it. I, I hate to say that just because you're, you know, you've done something for a long time or just because you're talented means you deserve something. 
but she really does. And she's going to work great as a babyface champion if she gets that opportunity. The first time being a babyface since Hugger Bailey, which was a long ass time ago. Um, she can be the same character she is now, just with a little bit of a face turn to it, and it'll work. That's pretty much all I have. Like I said, we're going to go deep in terms of second look on Tuesday's mm-hmm. WWE show. We did also forget to mention briefly, um, we broke down everything that happened on SmackDown on a special go-home show podcast where we also discussed the Vince McMahon uh, lawsuit and allegations and everything that's going on there. We will touch later in this show on Triple H's comments about that. Uh, but we did an entire bonus podcast on Friday that if you didn't listen to it yet, then once this show is over, you can go ahead and do exactly that. Chris, do you want to move on to the uh, undisputed WWE Universal Championship? Yes. Well, one other thing that I didn't mention in the opening, uh, neither of us uh, cracked open a cold one at this point. You just got back from a long day on the show. I've got to to get up in like six or seven hours to go to East West Shrine Bowl practice for football stuff. So neither of us have a cold one right now. I promise you, we will get back to it for Elimination Chamber. Chris, let's make a deal. Even even if it's day... Wait, 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 wait. No, no, I know. I I understand the time. I know. I understand the time. Okay. Even if it's day drinking, I think we should do it is what I'm trying to say. I think we should too. So, okay. uh, All right. Fatal four way for the undisputed universal WWE championship. I forget what it's called. Whatever. Undisputed calls it WWE universal championship. LA Knight just calls it the WWE championship every time in promos. And I love that. Yeah, me too. I like that too. Yeah. All right. So fatal four way here. Uh, First though, speaking of big returns, Slim Jim is back. Uh, One day after they had pulled, they said they had pulled sponsorships of, uh, yep. Of, um, WWE due to the Vince McMahon stuff, uh, they're back, back in a big way. They sponsored this match. They sponsored the LA Knight, uh, LA Knights in their commercial before this match. They had a bunch of kids there at the show. There was a lot of Slim Jim at the spot. Um, By the way, that's Cole, where I was sitting. Just so everyone, like, if you want to put context oh, really? where my seats were, they were probably two rows in front of me and to the right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, during the entrances, uh, during Roman Reigns' entrance, interestingly, Michael Cole said... Um, that a lot of doubters and people say that Roman only defends the titles every few months. And Cole said, quote, here's what I say, beat him, which was interesting. And How are you going to beat him if he's not defending the title? Yeah, I don't know. That was weird. So, all right. So the match starts off with the three challengers, LA Knight, AJ Styles, Randy Orton, going after Roman Reigns, stopping him in the corner. Uh, Graves notes that there's no DQ in this because uh, it's fatal forward. Good to know. Crowd is doing the yaz every time LA Knight's getting a punch in. They're doing the woos when AJ Styles is doing the slaps uh, while Randy and Roman are battling outside the ring. Randy tosses uh, LA, tossed LA Knight out of the announce table while Randy and Roman started to go at it into the ring. AJ came back in. Randy Orton had a power slam on AJ. Then went on. Uh, then LA Knight dodged the power slam, the quick uh, spin that Randy Orton likes to do. And he hit Roman Reigns with a side motion leg sweep before stomping Randy in the corner. Roman was uh, beating up LA Knight in the ring before AJ Styles came in with a chop block to the back of the knee to Roman Reigns. And Cole made a good, the commentary made a good point here where they were saying uh, Roman Reigns is kind of basking in his, you know, his shots more than he should. He, they kept saying he's never been in a fatal four-way match before. He wasn't ready for this. So it was a nice little thing to to kind of uh, tell that story of how this is a new type of match for Roman Reigns as a champion. Uh, Roman Reigns missed a Superman punch against LA Knight, who responded with a series of punches, flying clothesline, and a DDT, then slammed Randy Orton uh, for a two-count that was actually pretty close than you would have expected for just a general straight-up suplex, uh, just a regular slam. Uh, LA Knight 
uh, then hit the jump up superplex on, I think it was AJ Styles, then a BFT on Roman Reigns, but AJ Styles falls over and breaks it up at one. Uh, AJ hit a pretty stiff clothesline on Randy, who I thought injured his shoulder for a minute. And while AJ seemed to hurt his knee while dropping LA Knight onto it, I think those were just kayfabe injuries, but Randy was selling it pretty good. Um, uh, AJ Styles hits the Styles clash on Roman Reigns, got broken up by LA Knight on a two count. Then Orton hit the dropping, uh, whatever it's called, the drop rope DDT on LA Knight uh, while yelling out, yeah, himself. Uh, then he, then Randy Orton hits everybody with an RKO, pins Roman Reigns, and then Solo Sokoa pulls out the referee at the two count. So, so Solo Sokoa then hits a Samoan spike on Orton, then LA Knight, then stacks them up. Uh, so, uh, Solo Sokoa was going to run around and slam AJ Styles through the barricade, but AJ dodged it. Then AJ hits a forearm, uh, stacks all three of them, <laughs> pins all three of them, and there's a kick out at two. Then Roman Reigns speared Randy Orton. Orton rolls out. LA Knight goes for the BFT, gets pushed into the ropes, which knocks AJ Styles down. Roman Reigns hits a Superman punch on LA Knight, then a spear to AJ Styles for the one, two, three. Roman Reigns retains his championship with help, again, thanks to Solo Sokoa. Adam, what did you think? I feel like if I don't say it now, I'm going to forget it, but... I don't think people are giving enough credit to how difficult the timing was on that spot with AJ Styles, where he got hung up in the ropes and LA Knight got pushed Mm -hmm. into the ropes, I guess, by Roman Reigns or whatever the case. That is so tough to do, and they executed it perfectly. That was so well done. I'm going to criticize this match. I'm just telling you right now, coming up, but I wanted to make sure to state that positive. That was really good work from LA Knight, who was the MVP of this match in pretty much every way, Um, and really good work from AJ Styles as well. Uh, So I thought it was smart in some regard, that everyone got to take their own turn at Roman. Like, everyone had their own set of sequences, and, and most of them were them getting the offense and Roman being on the defensive. Uh, the draping RKO, like, forearm counter, and then three straight RKOs catching Reigns. Uh, he was doing, like, a spear, and I think he jumped into the air, and, and Randy got him there. Loved that whole set with the RKOs. And then... We get to Solo Sokoa saving Roman Reigns again. I rolled my eyes so far back when that happened. At this point, with Roman Reigns barely defending the title, when he is on television actually doing so, the guy needs to look like the undisputed WWE Universal Champion. There are so many ways to excuse a loss for... Randy Orton or LA Knight or AJ Styles in a fatal four-way match. You have a guy who has been a dominant champion who should be able to win this clean without any shenanigans, but he also has proved to be cunning and smart and all these things. And this is the type of guy that on the road to WrestleMania should be getting built up as strong as possible. And instead, you go back to the solo Sokoa save just like at Clash at the Castle, just like at WrestleMania, just like, did he do it with Sami Zayn? I don't even remember. It, it I don't feels- know. So, yeah, he, so here's what, he, he got interference to win this match. He got interference to uh, beat LA Knight. Yes. Uh, at Crown Correct. Jewel. Correct. He got interference. 
He got interference to beat Jey Uso. He, he got a three on SummerSlam. one. He had a three on one match against Jey Uso, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he he got um, uh, interference to beat Cody Rhodes last year at WrestleMania. Like this guy has not won a singles match clean. I don't remember what happened at Elimination Chamber with Sami Zayn. I don't remember if he won that clean or not. But either way, you're looking at about a year or at least a year without Roman Reigns winning a match clean. What's frustrating is he won numerous matches clean during like yeah, that's the initial two-year run. Yeah, and, and, when he and got he the said, title, it, yeah, that's what yeah, we loved him. He was, a, he was a dominant heel champion. Yeah, he was a dominant heel champion, and that's what he needs to be. Let me keep going here because the solo save just – that pissed me off because it was unnecessary. Like, it I understand, pissed everybody off. I understand why they did it. Like they were trying to tell the story of Solo got knocked out and all of a sudden the door was open for everybody. Like I understood that. Because otherwise you're asking, where's Solo? Where's Jimmy? Why are they not, you know, interfering? So what you try to do is have them try to interfere and then get stopped somehow by security yeah. or by other superstars or whatever the case might be. You would be asking, where is Solo? Um, or Solo tries to interfere. Like he tries to pull the referee, but Styles stops him and Reigns kicks out. So now Reigns looks strong because he kicked out of an RKO. That's so much better than allowing Solo to just pull the referee. But I digress. Let me just get back to this. The referee comes back into the ring. Roman Reigns is like coming too. And Orton and Knight are stacked on top of each other. It's a fatal four-way match. He should have run over to them, counted a double pin, no, and the match should have no. ended in a no contest. So I'm just they, saying they address, they, No, they address this on commentary. Shout okay. out to Corey Graves. He says, he says at that moment, because I had the same thought, and he said, because both of them had their shoulders down, the referee would not count it. That was the explanation in but that's, the moment. That's not how it goes. If both have shoulders down and they're touching each other, that should be a double fall. Or at least, I mean, maybe he could say that in a fatal four-way match, there can't be a no contest. Or well, he could say yeah, they're not, something they that is referee's pinning, discretion well, not to do it. You know, he could say something like that. Yeah, because they weren't pinning. Well, they weren't pinning each other. It was one. One was pinning the other, but the one pinning that one had his shoulders down as well. So I, I don't know whatever the okay if he didn't have a hand on the chest or something that's fine okay yeah. but 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 credit to but I, I do wanted to credit Corey graves for exactly in that moment explaining okay. why they didn't do it that's fine no i'm glad you mentioned it um nevertheless seeing a triple kick out was pretty cool i'll say i thought it was a decent sequence the way it came together at the end but it was strange to me that in this match there were no real false finishes it never yep. felt like anyone had an actual chance to beat roman reigns at any point other than the RKO sequence. And again, that was a repetitive ref, you know, move pulling him out of the ring rather than a late kickout that could have elicited a big pop. People are wondering, mm -hmm. why did fans not pop for this match? Because it lacked intensity. Number one, mm -hmm. everyone knew the outcome, okay? But if you know the outcome, then what needs to be exciting is the journey to get there. We all knew Roman Reigns was going to beat Sami Zayn because he had Cody Rhodes coming up. But that match was absolute fire, not just because it was in Montreal and because Sammy was super over, but the way they booked the match. It is such a strange booking decision to not have Reigns make saves of other guys trying to pin each other. Why was Styles not trying to pin LA Knight consistently? Why didn't he eat a finisher and Reigns break it up and then gasp, oh my God, I almost lost my title over that, right? He should be panicking in this match. Why would you not make your three-year-long champion look strong by kicking out of a finisher or two? He's done it against so many other people. It's just the match never hit a third gear. It was yep. boring. And it's the same thing over and over. It's like missionary position. Every single night. And the tribal chief, the head of the table, 
Apparently, he's only interested in that these days. Um, as I noted, LA Knight was easily the star of the match in terms of his ring work. If this was going to be the booking, though, then Reigns should have been going over strong. And instead of going over strong, he just lucked out. I don't know why you would book your champion that way when he hardly shows up. Now, if you're going to give him a match at Elimination Chamber, which doesn't seem like they're going to at this point, and he doesn't get over someone in a major way there, then you have this champion going into WrestleMania as cold as he's been. I shouldn't say as cold, as weak as he's been as a champion, but not weak in kayfabe, weak in reality. People saying he doesn't wrestle. When he does wrestle, he gets saved by other people. If you're a three-year-long dominant champion, then you should be going into the biggest show as a dominant champion. Instead, he's a guy that has just been holding the title for a long time. I'm going to say this, and then we'll wrap it up here, Chris. Roman Reigns absolutely must, unequivocally, drop the title at WrestleMania. It has gotten to the point where him continuing as champion is untenable. At least with creative this repetitive, it cannot continue. If they don't change it at Mania or at the absolute latest SummerSlam, and I don't even really want to put that out there, people are going to start tuning out as far as he is concerned. I felt it in the stadium. The groan at the end of the match was not, oh my God, Roman Reigns retained again. It was, oh my God, Roman Reigns retained again in the most boring way possible that we have seen so many times already. And I can say it now for sure. Like, look, we've had this conversation many times on the podcast. If it's Cody Rhodes who goes into WrestleMania 40, you mentioned this earlier, and he beats Roman Reigns for the title, there is no doubt whatsoever in my mind that it was a mistake to leave the title on Reigns for the last year. Again, from a creative standpoint and from an entertainment standpoint. From a business standpoint, it made all the sense in the world. WWE is continuing this record run, and it's Cody doing the chase for Roman Reigns. I get that, okay? But nothing Reigns has done since WrestleMania 39 has necessitated the title. And even in situations like this, he could have just done other storylines and been involved in different types of feuds and still been super hot in the company. Um, But look, we're going to have the final decision, right, on that, our final take on that in April, hopefully. Fingers crossed, that's exactly what happens. But at this point, it's just... I I came out of this show and I was just like, I've been waiting for three years to watch Roman Reigns. And that's what I got. Like, I was super disappointed. Yeah. No, he he will shoot the same thing for me. I mean, I've seen two, I guess, no, I saw three. But two of the three Roman Reigns matches I've seen in person were the Brock Lesnar reunification match, which was boring and nothing. Mm -hmm. And the um, Jey Uso match, which was strange and nothing. So, yeah, Yeah. he's gotten stale. And I can't believe I'm saying that because he's been one of my favorite heels of all time. And this is a historic run he's been on, but he's just done nothing mm-hmm. over the last year. And he'll probably go into WrestleMania having gone more than a year without a clean victory. I just don't understand that at all. How do you just, how do you not have Solo come down and, doesn't have to be Jay. It could be whoever. Just something that Solo can't interfere. Roman Reigns kicks out of an RKO in that moment. He kicks Roman out Reigns anyway. You're win. like, oh my God, Solo's going to come save him. But he kicks out anyway and he proves he doesn't need him. I, you know? I, when I was watching that right there, I go one, two, 
And I'm like, okay, we're going to get the Roman Reigns kick out of the RKO. Boom, that's what he needs. And right. then it didn't happen. And then we see, I see Solo. I'm like, oh my God, how are we doing way, this again? It's not just what he needed. It's what the match needed. He kicks yeah, out of that RKO were, and people go there crazy. Were, there were no false finishes there because yeah. LA Knight hits the BFT, but it's early in the match. Right. And AJ Styles tumbles into them and it's only a one count. AJ Styles hits the hits the um, Styles clash, but there's a there's a breakup. And then um, the RKO, the referee pulls out. There were no kickouts. There were no kickouts That's what I'm of finishers exactly. in this match. Exactly. We didn't get the kickout. False finish just match. Never got into, barely, never got into third gear. Barely got out of first gear. It was chaotic, but in a bad way. And we just, it never built into something big. It never, yeah. I just, I'm shocked by the booking of the match it felt from like, top to bottom. It almost felt like they, what they did was they went in trying to protect everyone. They didn't want anyone yeah, to kick out of the BFC exactly because LA because LA Knight's super hot. They didn't want anyone to kick out of an RKO because very few people have ever kicked out of an RKO. And Randy Orton is super hot. And they just brought AJ Styles back. And if someone kicks out of the Styles Clash or the Phenomenal Forearm, it's like, well, he's completely worthless. And obviously, no one's going to kick out of the Spear, at least not these people. So they were they booked themselves into almost a corner where they said, oh, everyone has to stay strong. No one can kick out of anything. Let's just use Solo again. And I'm like, that is the wrong. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Right decision to put the second on the card. Because if this main mm-hmm. evented, oh my God, it would have been absolutely yeah. dreadful. So I'm glad it was yeah. positioned where it was positioned. But for this to be the worst match of the night, I mean, that's just inexcusable. It is. And I was I was excited about this match coming in. You weren't you not so much, but I thought they had done a really good yeah, job I was of right. building up the animosity. <laughs> and they did a and they did a good job on SmackDown yeah. of like just upping up the intensity, and then they just gave you a match where there was nothing to cheer for. Because yeah. all your things got, got broken up. There were no big kickouts. And, it was and you know really, what's really disappointing? You know what's frustrating is I've been telling you for weeks I'm not really excited about this. And then all of a sudden, the last two weeks, I was like, you know what? I'm kind of getting excited about it. And But I was yeah. right the entire time. Let me ask you a really quick booking question, and then we'll move on to the last match here. Uh, the Rock, right? Um, no angle yet with Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns now has a WrestleMania opponent. We've discussed that possibly they could do night one and night two. It's it's always out there. We've also discussed Elimination Chamber as a possibility. Maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't. Let me ask you a question. Um, Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns, rematch, right? WrestleMania 40. There's got to be another element to that match, right? It probably should have a stipulation, maybe like Hell in a Cell or... No disqualification, whatever the case might be, right? I, I, com- what do I you, disagree completely. Well, okay, that's fine. But what do you think about this? The Rock, as either the special guest referee or the enforcer, similar to like Mike Tyson was with Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold Steve Austin, Rock calls it down the middle. Cody Rhodes wins the title. Roman Reigns obviously takes exception to that. One year later, WrestleMania 41, Roman Reigns and The Rock. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I, I could buy the special guest referee part of it for sure. Um, I, I think that would work. I don't think it would take away from Cody. Special enforcer kind of maybe would because you want Cody to win clean. You want it to be about him mm-hmm. uh, first and foremost. And I don't think Rock as referee would take away from that. I actually think it might add to it. But in terms of Hell in a Cell or any other stipulation, uh, no. Okay. But um, so... Uh, there was a Saudi Arabia commercial. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that at the end because it made me think of The Rock too. But I, I, I don't, um, I don't hate, hate that idea. But um, we'll see. I, I imagine also, The Rock. Will let be me there let me clarify. 
it's also a way yeah. to get The Rock in the main event of WrestleMania without him wrestling. Yes. Which is important. Right. And then right. it sets up actually, next year's main event, which is huge. I don't, I, don't, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Yeah. And actually, one other thing. The first shot we got after Roman won as they transition to the next thing was Cody Rhodes coming off his bus, mm. which to me at the mo- in the moment was another tell of Roman Cody coming up, which ended gotcha. up uh, happening. So uh, last match here, third match on the card, Logan Paul versus Kevin Owens for the United States Championship. This match started off with Logan offering a handshake. Kevin Owens just kicked him and started chopping him and tossed him out of the ring. A uh, good, good hot start to the match. Uh, Kevin Owens hits a German suplex, basically throws him across the ring. Uh, goes for a cannonball, but Logan Paul rolls out of the ring. Kevin Owens hits a senton on the outside, then starts chopping Logan across the chest really hard. Uh, but Logan was able to stomp on Kevin Owens' bad hand, take control back, slams it into the outside of the ring post, throws him into the stairs. They get back in the ring. Logan Paul hits a standing moonsault on Kevin Owens, which is ridiculous. Uh, then tries to lock in an octopus uh, submission type of move. Uh, he later hits a split leg drop, taunts on the pin, but it was only a one count. And at this point, Logan is red and bleeding from the chest, like from the chops. So he, he was getting him pretty good. Kevin Owens uh, hits a clothesline, but his hand is is hurting him in, 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 in uh, dealing with that. Logan Paul avoids the senton, takes back uh, control, hits a couple of European uppercuts. Kevin Owens comes back with some chops uh, that gets Logan Paul into the corner. Kevin Owens then does a suck it into two cannonballs and then a frog splash, but that only got a two count. Goes for a swanton, but Logan Paul gets the knees up. Logan Paul goes for his own swanton. Kevin Owens rolls out of the way. And Logan Paul hits a buckshot lariat, then a splash type of thing on KO with a kick out at two. McAfee called it the full send. But that wasn't the official name. He just called it that. Cole was like, what is that? And Pat McAfee was like, well, that's a pretty big company. It's like a brand clothing thing around some comedian and a podcast thing. So I don't know if it's called the full send or not, but it looked pretty good. Uh, Logan Paul then gets Kevin Owens uh, up on the turnbuckles, and he starts calling out Corey Graves, who apparently said nobody could suplex Kevin Owens, apparently. Kevin Owens turned that into his classic kind of brain buster thing off the top rope for a two count. Uh, Kevin Owens can't hit the stunner. Logan goes for the punch. Uh, Kevin Owens hits a super kick. Logan slips out of the pop-up powerbomb. Then Logan gets his big punch, but Kevin Owens kicks out of it at two. They said he was the first person to kick out of that. Then Logan's friend Jeff, I guess, hops the barricade, but the ref basically throws him out right away. Like five or six security people come to like shoo this just random dude away who's just standing there for a while. Then Austin Theory and Grayson Waller come down. Waller's distracting with security. Austin Theory gives the brass knuckles to Logan Paul. Uh, Kevin Owens tries to roll him, roll him up. Logan Paul kicks out. Then, uh, then Logan Paul goes for the punch. But Kevin Owens grabs his arm, pulls the brass knuckles off himself, hits Logan Paul with the brass knuckles, goes for the pin. One, two. And the referee stops and points because he can see the brass knuckles are on Kevin Owens' fist. He calls for the bell. Disqualification. Logan Paul wins. Logan Paul retains. Kevin Owens is very upset. Later power bombs Logan Paul through the announce table. This was an incredible finish. Mm. But Adam, I'll let you go first on your thoughts on the match. 
this match was so much hotter than I expected it to be. And I knew it was going to yeah. be good, right? Yeah. Let me start with my criticism. I'll do the opposite of what I did uh, a moment ago. Why the hell would this random dude be allowed to hang out over the barricade for like 10 minutes? Anyone yeah. else would get charged, tackled, and arrested, or at least dragged away from ringside at a minimum. This guy is able to hang out, argue with them. He, he kept touching his shirt for some reason. Like, I commentary the kept saying, I commentary that keeps saying it's Jeff, it's Jeff. And Cole's like, Do you know him? And McAfee's like, No, I don't know him, but I see him on the thing. It's Jeff. And they just kept saying Jeff over and over. Yeah, like, uh, no one knows who, no, first of all, nobody knows who this guy is. It's like one of, if Pat, people one of Pat, know, but wrestling fans don't know. Wrestling fans don't know. If one of Pat McAfee's lackeys, um, did the same thing. People would be like, who the hell is this? Get him away. Yeah. Like, I got way too much time. That sequence took way too long. He should have come out, and then Austin Theory and Grayson Waller should have come out 30 seconds later at maximum as this guy was getting dragged away. Then you have Theory and Waller. You have two people. One distracts the referee. One gives the brass knocks. That's all you needed to do. So that sucked. Outside of that, this match was hot, and you said it correct. The finish was incredible, super smart, creative, the best disqualification finish in quite some time with the twists and turns. Yeah. Owens actually getting himself disqualified as the babyface, letting his anger get the best of him, which guess what? Is his character and has been his character. Perfect spot by the referee, pointing out the brass knucks. Owens, the way he had them in view for the referee. Great job by production showing the brass knucks during the count. It is so tough to get a disqualification in a title match over with me and over with the crowd, let alone on a premium live event, let alone on a four match card mission freaking accomplished. It took me and the audience on an emotional ride. That's what it's all about. And the reactions from pretty much everyone that I was around was, oh, oh my God, though, that is so smart. I love that. Like it was, <laughs> that's exactly what you want it to be. Whoever was the producer of that match, whoever had the agency to kind of come up with that. Kudos to you. You deserve it. It was the best finish. I, I can't even believe I'm saying it. A disqualification finish with Kevin Owens and Logan Paul was the best finish of, I think, any match on the card. And that's despite the men's and women's Royal Rumble both finishing well. You're going to love the finish even more when you watch it. I can't wait to see it on TV. They, I can't wait. They nailed the shot. Yeah. They nailed the shot because you've got you're, you've got, you're in the corner – you go one, two. I'm watching this and I'm like, holy crap, Kevin Owens is going to win. Yeah. They go one, two, and then the referee stops and he points and the camera is directly opposite the referee. So you see him pointing and you see the brass knuckles right there. They nailed the shot. You have to hit that camera shot if you're doing that finish. And they completely got it. And I was like, oh my God. Because 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 Logan Paul gets the brass knuckles and I'm like, we just had Roman Reigns win via solo interference. Are we going to get another Logan Paul brass knuckles? Like I was really down because mm -hmm. of the Roman fatal four-way finish. I was like, mm -hmm. we're not getting good finishes Same. here. Are we really going to do this again? And then they totally, and I was like, oh, they're going to switch it, but he's still going to hit it anyway and win. Did not see that finish coming at all. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Execution, the production, totally. To the point where I was like, Damn, I'm like mad Logan Paul won, but I'm so I got worked, man. They got me. Like I, I thought they had it, took it away. Beautiful stuff. You knew this match was gonna be good, and it was. The finish could never have predicted a finish mm -hmm. like that. Uh awesome stuff. For sure. I don't really have anything else. Do you want to move to the grade section of this? Uh well uh 
do you want to go grades or do you want to go to some of the production, just some of the miscellaneous things first? Let's do miscellaneous. So we can talk grades and then we'll wrap up with Triple H. How does that sound? Okay. Um, real quick on the pre-show, um, Caleb Braxton interviewed Rhea Ripley, who was sitting a pre- hours prior, just sitting in the stands looking. And she was talking about uh, who that whoever won the Royal Rumble shouldn't challenge her because it would be a waste. Mm-hmm. By the way, I can't believe you didn't have Rhea Ripley on this card. How, it's crazy. How do you not get Rhea? And she wasn't on SummerSlam either. Like two of your last biggest shows, I don't understand it. She's a star. You've got to find ways to get her on these cards. Um Paul Heyman uh, interviewed Byron Saxton, typical good Heyman stuff. Would have loved this on SmackDown, actually. But he said, um, WWE doesn't exist as a system to have dynasties like the Yankees and Celtics and Lakers. The system is designed for champions to come in and out and create new replica titles. Um, And then he mentioned that Roman Reigns had stacked and pinned Daniel Bryan and Edge, who he said by name, in WrestleMania across the bridge in Tampa and that he would do the same again. So they talked about the stacking and then we got the stacking in the match afterward. And then Caleb Braxton also interviewed Triple H. I think you guys could see that in there, but he did the, are you ready? I did see that. Get yes. the crowd pumped up. Yeah. So that live. Um, there was that. There was, uh, yeah, Pat McAfee at the very beginning this time, second year in a row, he shows up on commentary, but this time did not seem to be a surprise to anybody. And then there was this really weird Saudi Arabia commercial. Um, it was called the WWE experience coming in February, 2024 to Mm -hmm. Riyadh. It was like a computer rendering of some stuff, but there's like a ring an arena, like a museum. There was like an undertaker bike in there kind of went really quick. It was very strange because I'm not going to Riyadh anytime soon. I don't think most Wrestling Ever. fans are going to re out anytime soon. So yeah. I, I, it, it made it look like it's like a like a WWE museum slash arena. I, I, I don't you may know more what the plans are for that. But I saw that and I was like, well, that's I know they hinted at it at Crown Jewel. They said they were building something. And so mm-hmm. we kind of got to look at what it's going to be like. And it's the kind of thing where it's it's a type of investment for Saudi Arabia there to do this whole big WWE thing that it made me wonder if Rock Roman does happen at Saudi Arabia at some mm-hmm. point. Just popped into my head. So that was weird. I don't know if you guys got that or not, but uh, there was that commercial as well. We did. I didn't really pay attention to it. I figured it, it, it was what you said it was, and I don't know anything additional about it. It doesn't seem to be like a Hall of Fame or a museum, but just like almost like a mini version of the access that like happens at WrestleMania where you get to see some, some of the old stuff, Yeah, but it's permanent as a fixture in Riyadh. So whatever that is, I only have, I only have one additional element and look friend of the show and all. So like biased, like admittedly, whatever. Um, Samantha Irvin is phenomenal live. Her mm-hmm. announce for Roman Reigns. And I'm sure it came across great on television. It was another level in person. And she didn't really get that many announcement opportunities because the Royal Rumble matches, they don't announce every single person that that comes through. Um, So the Roman Reigns one really stood out. And look, Howard Finkel is Howard Finkel. And like, I know it sounds crazy, but she is so special and she's approaching is is the best thing I can say. She's approaching. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it's it's incredible. She, she's, she's fantastic. Um, and every time she's, 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 she's going down in the annals, uh, yeah. at, at some point. Here. I, I, um, I recorded, I recorded 
my perspective of Roman Reigns announced that she did. And I'll have to listen back to it and see if it comes through. But you might be able to pick it up from the video that I took. It's just, yeah, it's awesome. Like, I, I know I know it sounds like I'm exaggerating, but I'm really not. That That is how great she was at this live. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. She really cares. And that, it just shows every single time she does it. So I just wanted to yep. give her flowers here. That's all. Yep. Uh, also, Jelly Roll was there in the yeah. Stadium. I don't care about he this guy. Also, I, I don't understand. He was what? also on the pre-show. I don't. I don't get what is he? Him. What does he do? Know. I mean, I know he does. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to act like an idiot. I'm just. He came out of nowhere. He's being overly promoted and shoved in our faces, like not just on WWE but other stuff. But and apparently he's a really nice guy, and he w- went through some hardships. So I'm not shitting on him. But like, yeah. What is his relation to WWE? Why should we care about him? I don't know. I just see him a million times. It's weird. Yeah, I, it was strange. It was yeah. weird. Um, they announced a crowd of 48,045, Tropicana Field record. Um, and that is about it. Also, the the opening, someone made a comment to the opening was, uh, one good way to distance yourself from Vince McMahon is apparently to uh, have Hulk Hogan in your introduction <laughs> to the show. Yeah. <laughs> Which was uh, its its own thing. They really leaned into the Hulk Hogan stuff because 40 years of Hulkamania, plus it's in Tampa, his town whatever it, it is what it is um yeah all right let's get to the grades you want me to do the grades or do you want to do them um i'll go ahead and do them just since i have all the data here but but i'll still come okay. to you first as we always do here on the getting over wrestling podcast let's remember that you can vote in our pre and post show polls around premium live events and pay-per-views by following us on twitter at getting overcast we'll start with the pre-show as we always do so chris and i on the ultimate preview, both thought that the Royal Rumble would be an A minus show. We did not give uh, numerical uh, guesses on that, but we did both say A minus. I'm scrolling through Twitter, by the way, just to go find our percentages. Okay, here we are pre show. Uh, 72.4% of you thought it would be an A, 25.7% B, 1.9% C, and no one said D or F. That averages out to a 92 which is an A minus, but it was high. It was very close to an A expectation for this show. So that basically sets the level. We were all thinking this was going to be an A minus show. Chris, uh, we will get to the post-show grades now. Of course, I will go. I will also read what our listeners had to say, but what is your final grade for the 2024 WWE Royal Rumble? My grade is a B plus. The Rumble's had good finishes, but were largely kind of meh Mm -hmm. otherwise. They weren't bad, but they were just kind of whatever it felt like. But they did hit the landing on both of them. That was good. Kevin Owens versus Logan Paul was great. And the fatal four-way for the championship was not good for the reasons that we talked about. And when you only have four matches on the card, that's going to weigh a lot heavier. So B-plus... Only one really good match, but three good finishes and then one bad match out of four. I'll go with a B plus. Okay. I will go ahead and read the final grades for our listeners, and then the Silver King will double back here. Uh, They said 36.7% A, 51% B, 11.7% C, and 0.5%. D to F, which of course is ridiculous. It was not a D or an F show. That averages out to an 88, which is a B plus for them. So they are in complete agreement with you. I can't get there. Now, again, I have not seen it on television. 
uh, or on Peacock. So I will watch that at some point before our Tuesday WWE podcast, our second look. But being there live, for me, it was a B show. It was a perfect example of how an extremely poor crowd can bring an entire show down, or at least my enjoyment of a show being there live. Uh, I always thought it was strange that they went to Tampa instead of going to Miami for this, or just any other city in the country, a major city. This is one of your big tentpole shows, and we know the cities that really pop, and I know for some people it gets repetitive going to Boston or Chicago or New York or wherever, but these crowds deliver every single time, and Tampa has now proven it wasn't just the Thunderdome that didn't work inside Tropicana Field. It's the fans, too. Um, it didn't come across well being there. Um, and I think that affected the overall broadcast. But again, it, the crowd reaction works hand-in-hand hand with creative. Creative didn't give the crowd that many reasons to pop huge, especially like in the you know undisputed WWE Universal Championship match. And the fans also were not really playing along with the entire show. It's just super unfortunate. I'm very excited to, like I said, watch it on Peacock. And I will regrade this. I'm going to grade all the matches, do all the stuff that we normally do. But being there live, watching it, it came across as a B show to me. Um, A disappointment and certainly far below my expectations, further below my expectations than perhaps they were for you or for our listeners. Yeah, I I mean, like, again... Three of the four, one was good, two were fine, one was bad. Right. You know, Royal Rumbles, what you're going to remember is the finish, and they got the finish. The winners but, and all that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but but it was a bit of a, a slog here and there. So, good show, not great show, a letdown. Let's be clear. The Royal Rumble should be a great show. Yes. This is, well, this is not uh, fast lane. You know what I mean? This should no. have been a great show. And and the, the, they really are leaning into kind of these are becoming two match shows. I mean, last year's Royal Rumble was five matches. Um, two of them were uh, two of them were Royal Rumbles. One of them was the big Roman Reigns Sami Zayn finish. One of them was a Mountain Dew pitch black match. So so it's like I, I'm surprised you didn't have a tag team match on here to just kind of get the energy up. I'm a women's title match. You you didn't have Rhea Ripley on here again. It just they're really leaning into the Royal Rumble is about the Royal Rumble matches, and that's pretty much it. You might have a title match on there, but you know it ain't changing hands. You know, so it's it's um it is it's just it's interesting. It's interesting that this is kind of what the Royal Rumble is under Triple H for better or worse. I, I think it makes for a high floor, but a but a low ceiling unless you do something crazy like Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn turning on him last year. This mm-hmm. year we didn't have that because you didn't have as hot of a storyline to go along with it. So um when that happens, you know, it's going to come down to what your rumbles are. And the rumbles were okay. Mm-hmm. Not great. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, so that's our grades, right, for the Royal Rumble. Yep. Did you want to go ahead and give some notes or provide your thoughts? I guess is probably even a better way to do it on the post-show press conference for the Royal Rumble. Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll there's not a ton to talk about, but well, you were there. I, I watched there. it. Yeah. Um, and... All that really mattered was if they were asked about Vince McMahon. Cody Rhodes was asked about it by Nick Hausman. Cody said um, that uh, you know he had learned about it when everybody else did. Um, is it a dark cloud? Certainly. TKO uh, reacted and responded quickly, and then he kind of spun it into positive and looking forward. Triple H was asked essentially three times. Mm-hmm. 
um, he's uh, he was asked um, it, what he knew. He was asked about when the board didn't want Vince McMahon to come back. A year ago. The company was sold last right. year. Yeah. Triple H said um, that he didn't want to talk about negatives. He just wanted to talk about positives. It's such a big week for WWE. And then he spun it into talking about things that are going well. He was asked um, what's being done to make sure people in power cannot abuse employees at the company. And he said, just simply put, everything possible. He was asked if he read the lawsuit. He said he did not. He said, Cody said, we found out like everybody else. And then he started talking about, again, what a big week it was for WWE and all the great things they've got coming forward. It's going to be a great company. It was very strange responses from him. Mm-hmm. You were there in person. I was. What was your What was your kind of read on it? So I think a lot of people criticizing this, and I'm going to criticize it too. Let me be very clear. But I think a lot of people criticizing this don't know shit about the law. Okay, this <laughs> is just being very honest with you. Uh, like I said earlier, two things can be true and two things are true here. Number one, Paul Levesque is an executive. He's not a talent. Cody gave a perfect answer for a talent, someone who's not at all involved in this. Okay, everything Cody said was perfect. But Paul Levesque, like I said, is an executive. His words could be actionable. His mistake was trying to pivot, saying, yes, there's some negativity right now, but let's talk about all these positives instead. That's why I'm here. What he should have had, and look, I'm not trying to you know, give it to WWE, you know, their communications team or their lawyers or whatever. There should have been two or three different prepared written statements for him on that piece of paper that he has, where when he's asked one of these questions, he pivots to whichever one is the appropriate statement for that question. Um, look, we're having an extremely positive weekend here. And I understand that there's this black cloud hanging over it. TKO is committed to the safety of our workers and so on and so forth. You could, you could, you, you could say so many platitudes without saying that, you know, I disagree with this or, um, F Vince McMahon or whatever the case might be, right? No matter what Paul Levesque said, People were not going to be pleased by him, no commenting. But when a gallery of attorneys tells you not to say anything, you don't say anything. And that's what he did. And look, I don't want to give away like inside baseball stuff because like it's probably not appropriate. But I was in the room. The number of people that walked into that room wearing suits that were not there previously, once the questions started being asked of Triple H, was significant, okay? There was a lot of Mm. pressure in that situation. Did he handle it the best? Absolutely not. He did not. But he also didn't handle it the worst because the worst would have been saying something that was actionable, that led to WWE's um, opportunity to defend itself in this lawsuit, which is what's important to the company, uh, failing. And he was far more concerned, I promise you, about not doing anything wrong than doing something exactly correct But again, it is the fault of many people to not either have him prepared better for the situation or perhaps they did prepare him better for the situation and he just failed at that task. I can't tell you the answer to that. Um, So like I said, was it perfect? No. Was it like the worst thing ever, this travesty that makes him a terrible leader? No, I just think he was out of his depth and it was really unfortunate. And in his mind, he was like, look, I'm the chief content officer, you know, 
he is not Ari Emanuel. He is not Mark Shapiro or Shapiro. I got to figure out how to say Shapiro. His name properly. Shapiro. It's Shapiro. Yep. Okay. Those are the people who really need to be answering for this. Triple H is like the number nine, 10, 11, 12 executive. Like he's not on the board, right? He's the chief content officer of WWE. He's like third or fourth on the WWE totem pole. So, I mean, ideally, they should have had Nick Khan out there answering questions. Um, Paul is focused on the content. And if anyone wanted him to address his vote a year ago, these were, and let me be very clear. I'm sorry. I, I don't want to make this sound anything different. The questions were fantastic. Those three questions were all extremely well done. Uh, the, the way they were framed to try to get responses rather than have Triple H just no comment it, right? They all did a, a strong job. The rest of the questions for Triple H were kind of ridiculous, uh, especially some of the ones at the end. I was extremely frustrated with those. But the three questions that were asked about this, they all did a good job. Credit to those journalists. I want to be very clear about that. Um, but I had no expectations that he was going to say anything. Certainly not where he would say, um, I disapprove of all this and so on and so forth. Because when you and your company are being sued for something, you are literally told, say as little as you possibly can. That's exactly what he did for better or for worse. And again, the only thing I would argue is that either he should have been prepared better or he should have just had statements that he could have read to make him come across better. That to me is the only fault in the entire thing. Yeah, no, I, I was expecting just, I mean, like for Cody to even say like, look, TKO took this seriously and, and reacted as such. Just something like that of just be like, look, TKO takes this very seriously. Um, we're, they, I mean, they released a statement the other day where they said they were dealing with the matter internally. You figure you could just repeat stuff like that. Look, I've been in press conferences where a difficult and hard hitting question has to be asked to Absolutely. a coach or a player. Yes. I've asked those questions. I'm often the person who asks the questions because other people are too scared to ask it. Yeah. And it's fine. And I, Triple H is very skilled at this. I'm honestly surprised how, again, just poorly he performed and just not doing the basic stuff Agreed. because he's usually Agreed. really good at this. It, it, it felt like it felt like he I don't know, felt like it was like a promo and he just wanted to spin it forward and get move on to the next thing and try to do that and direct people to another thing. And look, some people will ask some questions that it did happen. So this is all, uh, let, let me, let me yeah, interject he, really quick he, on yeah. something. He, when you interview him and you and I have both interviewed him individually mm -hmm. um, and, and we ask a question that he doesn't really want to answer, he does spin off those topics well. So I think mm -hmm. in his mind, he was like, I can treat this like that. And I can try to spin off of it and talk about the positives. When again, what he should have just done was just addressed, not the negatives, but addressed the situation. Right. It is, it is under investigation. Vince McMahon resigned from the company. TKO took care of that. And there's nothing further I can say at this time other than we want to ensure that WWE and TKO is a safe workplace for all of our employees. If he just yeah. said that, it would have come across way better. The mistake was saying... I want to focus on the positives. No, man, it, right. there's so much negativity here. You can't just push that aside and say, hey, we had a really good show today. It was, that doesn't work. It was, dis it was dismissive. It was dismissive of the concept instead of just saying it's just negative. I disagree that it was dismissive. I just think it was, that's not what I'm here for. Therefore, I'm not going to address it. I don't think he dismissed that it was important. Just that that's not my role. And well, if he had and said, and therefore, I mean, if I'm not going said, to address it, you know? Well, yeah, if, if he had said that, I think it will, he, 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 
he didn't say he wouldn't talk about it because he shouldn't or because there's other things going on. He said he wouldn't talk about it because he didn't want to talk about negativity. That that's that's my right reading of the, of the dismissiveness of it. Yes. But again, we you weren't going to get any amazing answers out of him. We're nitpicking various things about the way he didn't answer the question. Correct. He was never going to answer the question. It, it and by the way, let, let's but, also remember it's like 24 hours later. It's after midnight on the East Coast. Everyone in that room was yes. exhausted. And those none of yeah, these it, are excuses, but they are points to make. That are worth noting. And, and, and people, Triple A said he didn't read the lawsuit. Why wouldn't he read the lawsuit? Dude, who cares? It doesn't matter. <laughs> he, he's, I'm sure he knows, he knows what's going on. He's just, he's not going to answer it. I don't think you need to yeah. read too specifically into him saying I didn't read the lawsuit, whatever. But he it's could not, have, and we don't know, we don't know yeah. if he could be, we don't know if he could be implicated in, in some of the stuff. We don't know. This is going to be a long process that plays out. He's been an executive at the company for a very long time. It's his father-in-law. He's very close to the guy. So like, Correct. yeah, we don't know yes. what's going to come. We don't know how it could affect Triple H or not. But yes, credit to uh, Nick Hausman, John Alba, Brandon Thurston, and Cameron Hawkins. Um, they were the four who asked the questions, mm-hmm. needed to be asked. Uh, John Alba actually just tweeted while I was talking about this. He says, let's put two things to bed definitively. One, tough questions can and will be asked in pro wrestling press conferences. They can be asked and answered professionally. Agree. Number two, mm-hmm. WWE does not vet or censor the questions in those press conferences. Their PR team was great this weekend. Agree on both counts. Yes. I, 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 was such, by the way, there I was can confirm such a, that. Yeah, there, yeah. There, was, there was not a single time in either the media scrum that I attended nor the press conference where they said you can or can't ask this, this will or will not be addressed, none of that. Uh, they gave people microphones who raised their hands, and it was literally as simple as that. Yes, and yes, they they, they did a good job. But look, it's people can be professional about this. There was a whole big freaking hoopla the days leading up to the show. They better ask Triple H about this wrestling media. And, and look, for good reason, because a lot of the questions at those wrestling press conferences are fucking terrible. Yes, not just because they're not asking hard-hitting questions. They're just asking questions that don't give you good answers. I freaking hate it. As, as a journalist, I hate bad questions. Mm-hmm. The very first question to Triple H was about the Netflix deal. And he seemed surprised by it. Oh, dude, like, I he rolled was my eyes re- so hard. Yeah. He was ready. To, he like was taken aback. Like He expected to get the Vince McMahon question. And then he had to kind of like pivot into the, the Netflix stuff that was going on. Don't like... If you're going to be the first person to ask a question to him, ask the freaking question, man. And so like... Credit to the people who asked the questions um, and those and got those. And look, everybody survived. Everybody moved on. They're not pulling anybody's credentials. It was fine. Mm-hmm. We're all adults. Like they, People build these things up. Into, and you, people I, are too scared to ask a question because they're going to get their credentials pulled. You can ask a question in a very nice professional way, get a professional answer, and, and you move forward. You're adults. That's how it works. This happens all the time. The I've asked I, football coaches. I've asked football coaches about players who are arrested for rape and all these different things. Totally. And you just you, – you work – through it because this is your job. The the number of like things I saw online about these media members who attend this press conference better ask these questions. Uh, look, I get it. There's a lot of shitty questions in these press conferences, and I I experienced it firsthand here. Okay, so I I fully understand. But there's also real journalists who cover wrestling. Is it most of them? No, I mean I think it's fair to say people who purport themselves to be journalists. Uh, that cover wrestling, wrestling media perhaps, let's say, is extremely weak. And, and you heard much of that um, during this press conference and prior press conferences and also the way that people report on wrestling in general. We've had these conversations on the podcast numerous times, but there are also good reporters out there and they don't need to be told 
by these fans and these tribal accounts. You better ask the right questions. They know how yeah. to ask the questions. You heard that in this press conference. I was proud of those people who asked those questions. Again, not just that they asked them, but the way in which they asked them to try to elicit responses. That is very difficult. And at least three of those I thought were um, contextualized and uh, offered as questions to Triple H, Paul Levesque, in a way that the hope was he could have answered them, even though everyone there knew he would not. And that's really all you can ask. We don't need, no one needs fans or, again, these tribal Twitter accounts saying, you better do this and you better do that. Let them do their jobs. And if they don't do their jobs, then you can criticize them. That's how it should work. Agree. Nick Hausman and Brandon Thurston, they're always at these press conferences. They always ask tough questions. It's mm-hmm. fine. Like, it happens. Like, like, So that was just the whole thing. Nothing really came out of the press conference otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll continue to monitor the lawsuit and whatever else happens to come out of TKO. Again, we talked about Vince McMahon on a late Friday show that's up on your feeds um, as well. If you want to go back and listen to that um, about the lawsuit, about Vince truly being done with WWE, there's nothing really more to say because nothing has happened uh, since then. But uh, that is, was there anything else from Royal Rumble you wanted to talk about? I mean, probably, but it's also like after 3 a.m. Eastern here, I'm absolutely exhausted. I still have to publish this show. Uh, we have yeah. a lot still to do just tonight, let alone uh, coming up to talk about WWE. So allow me to take back the hosting reins from Vintage Chris Vanini. You did a fantastic job. Thank you so much, Chris, for steering the ship today. I'm going to give you guys a quick overview of what is still to come here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. As mentioned earlier, we will be back on Tuesday with our next WWE episode. We will cover fallout from the Royal Rumble, everything that happens this coming Monday, of course, on Raw. We still have a ton of stuff to talk about from SmackDown, and we will have your Royal Rumble second look after the Silver King gets to actually watch the show on Peacock. All of that coming in a loaded episode on Tuesday. It is my plan this week to have a special interview episode. I got the opportunity to speak with Gunther, Chad Gable, Otis, Bronson Reed, a bunch of other people this weekend. I hope to be able to have the time to put that together for you as a special episode this week. That's a little bit TBD. And of course, you know, on Thursday, of course, we'll have our AEW and NXT show. All of that coming up right here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. Please remember to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast for episode drops, news analysis, highlights, all of that good stuff. It's also where you can vote in these polls. You can send uh, questions and comments through tweets or DMs. We'll read them on the show. I saw we got a bunch during the Royal Rumble. We will discuss some of those during Tuesday's WWE episode. Also pinned to the top of our profile right now, we have been nominated for Best Wrestling Podcast 2023. There's only a couple days left of voting. Please go ahead and click that link again, pinned to the top of our profile at Getting Overcast. Vote for Getting Over as Best Wrestling Podcast. We would absolutely love to win that award. Also, don't forget here at Getting Over, it is all about the five. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Leave a five-star rating on Apple. Take a little extra time. Leave a five-star written review. If you do, we will read it live right here on the show. And of course, you can become an official Getting Overhead by going to buymeacoffee.com slash getting over, signing up $5 a month, 50 for the entire year. You get exclusive audio, exclusive news posts, and much more. Again, buymeacoffee.com 
slash getting over. Thank you once again to Vintage Chris Benini, not only for being here, but for, as I said, steering the ship this entire show. It seems like no matter which of us hosts, we still go about two hours. When we do these instant analysis, we just can't help ourselves, but we hope you enjoyed, certainly. As you can probably tell, the Silver King is beginning to lose his voice, so we will be back on Tuesday. We should have a loaded week of shows for you right here at Getting Over. But at this point, it is officially time for us to sign off and leave you with just three final words. Bye for now.